Hey everybody, and welcome to the Words of Whiskey podcast, episode 30. 30! 30. 30. Return 30! Yeah, well, no, because, well, the podcast is only a couple of years old. Yeah, so we're, still, we're still in diapers by this point. Oh god, we're still babies. Yeah, still babies. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yes, episode 30. We made it. Another 10 episodes since 20. Yes, that's what 30 is. Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, creeping ever closer to 40. <laughs> when we get to our half a century of whiskey episode, if that makes sense, 50, 50. episode, 50th episode, we can do something amazing. Of course, by this point, we'll both be billionaires, so we can afford some amazing whiskey. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. It'll be a, it'll be a step up from episode 25. Yes, the 25-year-old whiskey, wasn't it? The, yes, we have yeah, 50-year-old whiskey, which is uh, well beyond uh, our price. We might have to pay, take out a large loan. Right, so Tom, how are you? Feels like it's been a little while since we've. It has. It's been, been a few months. Yeah, it's been about yeah month month and a half, month and a half. since we last did the previous episode. But uh, yes, we have something interesting for today because this is the first time I think that we are returning to a whiskey we've had before, but the next iteration of it. Yes. So level up. Level up. Or an evolution. It's evolved. An evolution. Yes. Level twenty. It's evolved. So how old is this whiskey? Uh, it's non-age statement because it's, oh, okay. it's bourbon, so it's probably at least four, four years old potentially. Level um, rolled to level four. That's quite low. Four, four, five. What is this, Weedle? So this but even Weedle wasn't involved that early. This is Woodford Reserve Double Oat. So we've had Woodford Reserve bourbon, I think, on one of our earliest episodes. So it's been a couple of years since we've mm. revisited well this bourbon in particular. So this is, yeah, the next step up. Interesting, it's the same percentage, it's 43.2%. And I gave you a little bit of the standard Woodford just before yes. this to remind yes, you yourself of it. Thank you very much. So, yeah, this will be interesting. So it's um, bourbon finished in new, heavily toasted, lightly charred barrels. In double oaked. They're finished in a second oak barrel. So I wonder if that means it's going to be even more oaky. than. Oh, I hope so. I like that taste. Hey. Yeah. I should have done it close to the microphone. Yes, you should. Are you going to be doing a pop? No, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you very much. Is it me or is this darker? It, I think it is. It is darker, isn't it? I think um, that's because of the extra time in the barrels. Because it's been put into two oak barrels. Uh-huh. Unless, of course, they added colorish colour, but I don't know. Henry, smell this whiskey. It smells amazing. No, it's good. That does Very smell good. Oak, vanilla, sort of quite similar to the standard, but you get a bit of, um, say, touch of coconut, maybe? Yeah, I'm getting. I'm get, definitely getting the vanilla. A bit of toast, maybe? I think you're having a stroke, mate. <laughs> like buttered toast, maybe? Yeah, very oaky, vanilla heavy, I would say. Well, yes, give it a try. Thank you very much. That is so much smoother and gentler and more tasteful than normal Woodford Reserve. Yeah, definitely getting more oaky. It's um, it's got more flavour. It sort of flows through your face a bit better. Can we use that phrase, flowing through the face? Flowing through the face. It flows through your face like um, very smooth. It goes down really easily. I love Woodford Reserve, but I, I sometimes find that the like, that they can be quite heavy and a little bit overbearing, if that makes sense. Quite quite a strong taste of alcohol, whereas I'm not getting it from this at all. In fact, I, I you know because it's got these strong oak and vanilla taste. I say it's quite like a scotch. It tastes a bit like a scotch. I, I, if there's a Scottish person listening, please don't kill me. It's in, yeah, because it, it, it's not like it's any more alcoholic. It's the same ABV. Yeah, but it's just... Scented. The flavour is such an improvement. Maybe that, that extra time in in another barrel sort of really adds does. to the intensity of the flavour. Mm. So get a bit of... Um, almost, you know, like uh, toffee popcorn from it. I'm you, complete... I've worked in the cinema for so long that I'm completely <laughs> nose blind and taste blind to that. Yeah, but it reminds me of the, um, yeah, of like the butterscotch toffee popcorn. Oh, I get what you mean, actually. I think that butterscotch toffee popcorn, vanilla and oak are probably my main 
takeaways from that. But yeah, it's nice. It's tasty. It's very smooth and mellow. Yes, like most bourbons. Although well, that's the thing I find with bourbons, I have to to really pick out distinct differences between them. I have to sit them down next to each other. <laughs> so I find and then try them alongside each other because I find with bourbons, I predominantly get that vanilla and that oakiness, and it's yeah. kind of it's when I'm trying them side by side that I will pick out other notes from it. Um, but they kind of blend into one if you have yeah. them far apart. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. If I uh, if I just try, I'm like, oh yes, tastes like oak, tastes like vanilla, tastes good. But those are the main things I get from it. Uh, yes, it's still uh, still nice. I rate this one. Yeah. But uh, yes, changing up today. You have a bit of whis- I, I you have, have some whiskey, whiskey trivia, trivia for, for me. I'm very proud of myself for this. I have whiskey trivia for you. Okay, I have three whiskey facts that I've discovered recently that I'm not sure you are that you are not, that you know. So the first whiskey fact, as you've probably known for ages, and I've recently been learning from a book that I've been reading that we're going to discuss later on the podcast. Yeast is heavily involved in whiskey production. In fact, it's, it's, it's invaluable to whiskey production because it's what produces alcohol. Yeah. And House of Suntory, a Japanese whiskey producer, has created its very own yeast strain. Oh, that's interesting. It's, it's named, and I'm going to brutally mispronounce the Latin here, Suntorius Lactobacillus. Hmm. Bacillus. It's a use, obviously, for making their... For making their own their whiskey. Own whiskey. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. So they so because they created its own life form, basically, they get to give they it its Latin name, genus name. name. It. Yeah, and they've named it after themselves because who wouldn't? Yes. So yeah, they've got their own whiskey yeast. Because I think I I know I read it like literally five minutes ago, but there's one particular kind of yeast that is the most, one of the most most commonly used to make whiskey and other alcohols. But uh, Suntory has its own, hmm. literally its own. It's own and no one else's. No one. I'm, I don't know. I sell it. Maybe. But, uh, I don't even really know why they bother to do this. How bored are they that they're breeding yeast, <laughs> <laughs> producing, producing their own, their own stuff in its unique way. My next whiskey trivia fact: Did you know that Kentucky is home to more barrels of mature bourbon than people? I think. I think that might have been one of the first facts we did on the podcast because I think the very yeah. first time we did some whiskey trivia was when I gave you 10 questions um, for you to have a guess guess at the answers and I think that might have been one of the questions but that was I thought we had that was a, a couple of years ago now so did you know that however with a population of f- nearly five and a half million and more than 20 million barrels of whiskey in store Scotland has almost four casks of mature whiskey per citizen we need to go to Scotland then and claim, <laughs> claim our four casks and laid end to end, these casks were stretched about 30,000 kilometres, or about six times the distance between Edinburgh and New York. Do you call it Edinburgh then? I, I, sorry, I watched the TikTok about uh, that's American <laughs> calling it Edinburgh, and what <laughs> Scottish person walking past goes, fuck off. It always is like, it's Edinburgh, you shite. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's Edinburgh. Yeah, so about six times the distance between Edinburgh and New York. No, I didn't know that. That's interesting. So there's enough whiskey in Scotland to cover the distance of so, Edinburgh so we just and New need, York. We just need to we need to line. We could make barrels. a whiskey tunnel between Scotland and America. A whiskey bridge. A barrel. A whiskey bridge. Yes. A barrel walk bri- on whiskey across the a Atlantic. Bridge. Sorry. A barrel bridge. Barrel. Yeah, hey. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's yeah. That's interesting. You got some some fun facts there. I see. <laughs> yeah. Pilf, pilfered them from the internet. Indeed. But yes, as you mentioned, I've actually convinced you to read a book about whiskey. Which I've not finished. Which you've not finished, but you've you've had a crack Good at stab it. Good stuff, it? Granted, it's only 100 pages. <laughs> <laughs> so, the book we're talking about is The Philosophy of Whiskey by Billy Abbott. Now, I read this about a month ago, and so I gave it to you recently to read. But, uh, yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's really... It's a short book. It is. It is. It's, just it's over a light a, read. Definitely a light read. Just over 100 pages. But it's it's really well done because it gives you... Even someone who's really big into whiskey or is a whiskey novice or just interested in learning more about whiskey, it gives you the perfect snapshot 
of whiskey. It's production, it's history, it's culture. Yeah. So it's kind of like whiskey culture, I think that's fair to say. How it's perceived around the world, around the world, you know, different kinds of whiskey, how all different kinds of whiskey are made. How to drink it. How to drink it. Which? But, although I appreciate that, you know, there is ways to drink it. I think people should be allowed to drink it. How they Which want. is pretty much what, what he Billy, says, Billy yeah. says in the book. He's like, drink it how you want to drink, drink it. How it. You it's, want. It's, entirely, it's entirely up to you. But yeah, it's really the bit I think we were talking about before the podcast. The bit that I really enjoyed and you said you really enjoyed is the snapshot of the history. Indeed. Is that it goes region by region through sort of the major whiskey regions. So Scotland, Ireland, uh, America, um, Japan, and it covers whiskey in those regions and the history of whiskey in those regions. And it's just fascinating to, to learn, learn about. And then, yeah, it covers the production method as well, gives us good overview of that but yeah well how far how far have you got into it about halfway about halfway so what what bits have you enjoyed you were I've, saying about I've the history. enjoyed the history I've enjoyed the, the Billy Billy Abbott occasionally has a, like a sentence at the end of a chapter or whatever where he basically takes a piss a little bit out of whiskey drinkers mm. <laughs> Like when he's talking about how um, you know which came first, Irish whiskey or Scotch, <laughs> and, uh, and at the end, at the end he goes, "Okay, we don't really know, but if you say to to a group of whiskey, uh, Scottish and Irish people that and suggest that the English did it first, the resounding chorus of no, is <laughs> about as close as we'll get to finding out who did it first. Yeah, that is, that yeah, I love the little bits of humour he injected into it as well and that was probably one of my favourite lines as yeah. well because I've um, <laughs> I, bo- I borrowed it I borrowed that line with now because I think I was talking to someone about whiskey and I think I was at a whiskey tasting and there was a Scottish guy there and there was an Irish guy there and we were t- talking about it <laughs> and then, and I, did you say it to them? Yeah. Oh no, yeah. Henry. Oh no. Well, Is that a bruise under your eye? I see there. No, I didn't say it was the English, but I, I I mentioned that line that saying if you the only way to get the the two of them to agree is to, say, to say it was the, the English. English, and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. yeah. They, they they laughed. They they had a good chuckle at it. So yeah, it was um, yeah. That's probably one of my favourite lines from the book. But uh, yeah, it's it's a nice little easy read and quite quite useful for just going back and sort of getting some whiskey knowledge or um, reminding myself of a few facts and stuff. Yeah, I'll enjoy it. You have to uh, you have to finish it and let me know because uh, you haven't got to the history of the Japanese whiskey. I'm looking yet. forward to yeah, that. I'm I looking you, forward I to think that. You'll enjoy that because that that's really. I'm expecting like photos of samurai sitting with their katanas resting on their legs, like balancing the glass of whiskey on the edge of the katana, like lifting the, the katana and sipping from it, uh, uh, balance on the sword. Yeah, I'm taking the piss. I know that they didn't have whiskey back then. Yeah, although that would be really how awesome that would, would, be would that a really be? Cool advertisement. It would be. Whiskey. Yeah. Sorry, ima- where are you? Yeah. Give me a call. I can imagine now a picture on the bottle with the um, with like the samurai with his sword, and it's just got a, uh, on a the glass air, of whiskey yeah. resting on it. Okay, trademark it, make it. Oh, that would be cool. Just hire an artist now. <laughs> I could be a marketing executive. This is easy. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go work for Santori. <laughs> yeah. How much would you hate me if I call you next week and be like, yeah, "What to Japan? I've got a job in the whiskey industry." Yeah, I'm, I'm their new brand ambassador, and I'm like, "Give me all the whiskey." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you're probably okay with it if I just give you a bribe yeah. with a bottle yeah, every now and then. Bribe me, Henry. All I could get was this hundred-year-old suntory. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how this is possible, but give it to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's an enjoyable little book. It's um, it's interesting because it's there are other ones in that in that series, not written by the same author. But there's like the philosophy of gin, the philosophy of beer, <gasps> the philosophy, philosophy of, of beer, coffee, the philosophy of coffee, philosophy of beards, philosophy of cheese. Have you read that? Philosophy no. of beards. Yeah, uh, you no. seem to be growing one. I am. I am. It's. Uh, I have got a few compliments on. You have had quite a few compliments on it. Yes. Yes. I'm growing my Kratos beard. Ah. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to shave my head next. Oh, Henry! Please, <laughs> no. Why not? <laughs> Okay, but you the, if you do, you've got to get the, the tattoos as well. No? I'll draw the line at tattoos. You don't like tattoos? No. You don't want something permanently marking your skin? 
I've got enough scars already. Enough scars. <laughs> no, my mental scars don't count. Well, I've got the physical ones as well. Yeah. What happened to you? <laughs> A lot. <laughs> Too much whiskey. I fell down the stairs. Right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a nice little read. It's probably one I'll revisit when I want to brush up on some whiskey knowledge. And um, yeah, hopefully one day I'll go to a tasting or something in London. If uh, see if I can get the book signed, that'd be quite nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's I haven't really read a lot since the last podcast because the one book I have read was really long <laughs> so it has taken it's taken about it took me about five weeks to finish the book because it was over a thousand pages it was like 1,150 oh. pages or something what like that what was this book? so it was the final one in a trilogy that really I've mentioned on the podcast before it was Edge of Eternity by um, uh, Ken Follett yes which I'm really enjoying because it is the final one in the Centenary or Century Trilogy, I think it's called. So it's Fall of Giants, um, Winter of the World, and Edge of Eternity. And it's the one that follows like five, six different families throughout World War One, World War Two, and then like the Cold War. Um, but I think you would really enjoy it because it covers, a, like you were saying, like you really enjoy the history bits of that book yep. this covers loads of historical granted they're fo- it's following fictional characters mm-hmm. but they are they're taking they, they, they're involved in historic events and they're historical characters and of course like it's World War 1 World War 2 and all these characters are from different areas of the world you've got uh, you've got British families you've got a Russian family American family German family and everything and they all kind of interconnect they end up meeting each other or their kids meet each other throughout the books as well they've got all these connections and interactions um, it's quite clever how they can weave how yeah how can weave, it weaves it all together yeah all these different storylines yeah it's, must the planning that must have gone into these novels must have been ridiculous yeah. not to mention the research of, of all these historical things must have taken him ages to write. Yeah, he's he's one of those authors who just constantly seems to be churning out books as well. He's the, he wrote How? Pillars of Eternity. If you've ever heard of that, I may have heard of that. Yeah, but it's not a video game. Uh, I think they did make a video game of it. It was a TV series as well. What? Yeah, yeah. It's just fascinating how he has created these all these different like these family groups. Yeah, yeah, he is a video game. Oh, fair enough. And uh, so, yeah, so this is the, the final instalment. And so it's following, like, the grandkids or the great-grandkids yeah. of characters from the first books. And, again, we're seeing some of those characters. Some of them a bit more in detail than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just fascinating. Like, this, this one, it covers, I think... This one kind of covers a lot more because it goes from the establishing of the um, Berlin Wall, mm-hmm. which I think was like the 1960s, 19, yeah, 1960s. It goes and the book ends, slight spoilers, with um, uh, President Obama's inauguration. So it goes. Why is that a spoiler? Oh, um, that happened. We know that happened. Yeah, there's spoiler, spoiler for like the context of the story, but it's because it's one of the one of the families involved is a black American. Oh, family. okay, okay. And so it's them because they're in the book. Their characters are fighting for civil rights and everything, oh. and so it kind of brings a conclusion to their story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating because this one it covers it covers a longer time span. In, well, yeah, it sounds in, like it. In comparison to the, um, there is there is quite a bit of time jumping throughout the books as well because you'll focus, you swap um, character perspectives mm-hmm. as well, and they kind of jump forward a few years and everything like that. But it's also cool, like you're reading and it'll reference previous characters from the other books, or they'll turn up oh. and interact with the focus characters of this book. Yeah, it's just like you said, it's it's really well woven together my my one slight gripe with it was that because there are now so many characters 
some of the ones who we read about in the first few books don't really turn up as much or they have a lot smaller well, roles of the ones in World War One are dead yeah some of them are still still in there very old though I yeah. Would imagine um, yeah they're like grandparents and stuff in, in this book but it was funny there were there were a couple of characters who I don't I don't know whether I just completely missed it but there were characters from say like the second book who I just don't remember turning up at all in the third book. There's like one of the characters, their brother. I can't remember them being mentioned at all in this final instalment. So I'm like, I don't know whether I missed. I just happened to gloss over it and I completely Bitcoin. missed it. But yes, it was that was one of the slight things. I was like, hang on, what happened to this character? I don't remember it being mentioned or them even featuring. So that was my one slight minor gripe with it but yeah as a whole I think I think you should I, I've got the copies so you can borrow them I think you would really enjoy it because it's it's history with a bit of just sort of drama yeah it's, it's a historical, historical drama. drama so I think you would I think you would really enjoy it they're, granted they're, they're not small books I think the first book is like eight nine hundred pages the same oh. for the second one and this one was yeah over a thousand but they're well well written and very enjoyable so yeah, if you if you fancy, well, give them a look. Yeah, I can I can lend you the first one when you fancy. When, once you got through a few of your other books, I see piled up in the corner there. A few, a few. But uh, yeah, would you like a, a little, top up? Yes, a please. Little top up before you tell me what you have been reading. Yes, please. I would never say no to that. Because I think you said like me, you've kind of uh, you haven't read quite as much since the. Uh, no, I haven't. So, Tom. What have you been reading? So I have read the last book in the trilogy by Mark Lawrence, which is the... Who is Mark Lawrence? Who is Mark Mark. Lawrence? Well, I'm glad you've asked. He is a fantasy uh, fiction writer. Um, He has previously done... He's had some interesting careers. I believe he once held a high-level security clearance, both in England and America. Hmm. And I can't remember what for, or if it's even... I'm allowed to know... Um, he's a very interesting person and he's since turned his hand to writing fantasy books mm. and I believe his debut book was Prince of Thorns mm. Mm. which I think I've told you, talked to you about before mm. I don't know if that is his debut book it's certainly the first one of his books that I read and uh, it focuses on a central character Jorg Ancraft who uh, is a bandit leader and um, I think one amateur reviewer on Amazon I read describes this character perfectly by saying, and you might not have not, not recognised some of these characters, but anyone who's read Light of Lock Lamora by Scott Lynch or um, The King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss or Song of Ice and Fire by George R. R. Martin will understand this quote. Um, that this character, um, George Ancraft, has the wit of Lock Lamora, the intelligence of Croft, and the moral compass of Gregor Clegane. <laughs> I think, yeah, I remember you, you've mentioned this on a previous episode. Yeah, yeah I think you used that exact quote. So. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> so I read the final book in the series. Okay, so, so it was a trilogy then? It's a trilogy. So I read the final book, Emperor of Thorns. Mm. And I'd forgotten, A, how unpleasant these books can be in places. Like, it forces you to confront dark truths about humanity and what we're willing to do to each other. Mm-hmm. And also how ruthless, how shockingly ruthless the main character can be. Mm. Like, he'll be presented with a problem. And rather than try and find a solution, he will he will do the most efficient and time-effective way of dealing with the problem, regardless of who he has to hurt or kill to get there. Um, to the point where even, you know, computer programs are terrified of him. Computer programs. It would make sense if you read the book. Okay, that's all right. That's weird because I thought it was like a fantasy one. No, it's set in a post-apocalyptic future where humanity is averted to medieval times. Oh, uh, okay. I thought it was just like set in a um, fantasy world. No, uh, well, technically yes. So it's set in a, far in the future after a nuclear war, where um, so many people died. It's eroded at once because of the bombs it eroded the barrier between life and death allowing magic to be used interesting that's might have to give the first one a read so I warn you it's really dark it's dark you can borrow it over there somewhere nice yeah perfect 
Yeah, I have to. Um, yeah, maybe borrow it after the. I give you back the current book I'm borrowing from you. But, yeah, so so you so you enjoyed the um, final. I enjoyed it, but ever since so the, the first three quarters of the first book in the series, Prince of Thorns, I loved. The ending was I, I wasn't so happy with. The second book I wasn't so happy with, and the third book I wasn't so happy with. One of the one of the reasons is a major spoiler, but the other reason is I'm reading this book for this ruthless character. Mm. He is a fantasy character, but he's not a a, a hero. He's not someone you. He's not for. a wise wizard. He's not a damsel in distress. He's not a bold um, warrior princess or anything like that. He's a ruthless bandit. That's all he is. Mm. And we didn't see enough of that. We didn't see enough of him doing what he does best. Um, quite simply. There was, uh, there was quite a lot of other characters, especially in the second and third books, who had their own problems. And sort of like, you're way less interesting. Yeah. If I go back to Jorg. And then... I think because, for some reason, everyone else in the world is an idiot and doesn't understand what pragmatism is, Jorg finds everything, like, everything very easy because he's prepared to make the sacrifices necessary to make things happen. Yeah. Ruthlessness. Um, so I, I wasn't as happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, as on a whole, loved it. And I will definitely... I've already bought Mark Lawrence's next book uh, in his next trilogy to read. This is Prince of Fools. I believe. Not confusing, Not confusing at, all. at all. No. I think it's Prince of Fools. Uh, one second. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. Prince of Fools. Nice. Not confusing at all. Yeah, nice. That sounds um, like another good uh, or another good fiction uh, book to add to the list of to be read. But uh, it was. Oh, I'm only halfway through it, but. Again, I borrowed um, one review of the the Ketty J series, the, the Iron Jackal, the Iron Jackal by Chris Wooden. Now I'm only halfway through, but already he has done something which he did really well in the second book, which is he takes a concept of what could have been an entire book. So in the previous book, there's like an expedition into a jungle, and the aftermath of what happens after that. Now that could have been the jungle expedition itself could have been the whole could, book. could have been the whole book, and the same thing has happened with this book with the Iron Jackal, where there's a train heist. That could have been the, the entire whole the book. whole book. It could have been the build up to the um, train How heist. How cool is that? A steampunk fantasy train heist. How awesome is that? Yeah. And in fact, was it was building towards that? It happened. There was the aftermath. And, and then, then there's something else. And then there's so, so much. much there's, else. there's like another t- three hundred pages after that. So it was kind of just scratching the surface of the story. But for another novel, or for even if it was like a film or a TV show, the entire thing would have been the train heist. But this is not to say that the ideas are underdeveloped. No, no, it, it was it's action packed and it's really good fun. It's just amazing how he takes. There's absolutely no filler at all. If it doesn't need to be on the page, doesn't need to be on the page. It's not on the page. Every sentence builds character, builds the law, builds you know suspense, action, ev- or furthers the plot. Everything on that page has a purpose, mm. and there's no filler. There's no time wasting. There's no um, chapters where a uh, one of the characters has a side conversation with her angsty teenage daughter. It's all necessary. It's all enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's really good. But it's interesting how with certain authors they pick up signature things they do really well. So like with um, Joe Abercrombie, we've mentioned this multiple times on the podcast where what he does is he does chapters where he's constantly changing character perspective and it's really interesting. To demonstrate the chaos of a battle or riot. Yeah, whereas with Chris Wooding, this thing I'm picking up with signature thing I'm picking up with him is taking a concept that could be a whole book and it could be entirely and turning it into an amazing action scene and turning it into amazing action scenes or really cool things but only making it a small chunk of the book and then building on it from there right? so he's taking like something really cool but condensing it down making it amazing but then saying oh no this is just the start of the journey there is so much more for you to enjoy and he he, do, he did that really well in the 
in the second book, the Black Lung Captain, and he's done it really well in this one again. But uh, yeah, I'm only halfway through, but I'm... I'm oh really... God, there's so much to happen to yeah, you. Yeah, granted, I started reading it at the wrong point because God of War Ragnarok's just come out and that's... Uh, <laughs> Eating up your life. Yeah, see, there's, yeah, yeah I'm, I, apart from being here, doing this with you, I've been uh, quite antisocial this weekend. <laughs> I, I've never, I'm never antisocial, it's never social to begin with. <laughs> Yes, can't be antisocial if you're never social. Can't be antisocial if you have any friends. <laughs> yeah, I actually pay you to be here. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're overdue. <laughs> I think that covers it for books for us. But uh, I've been watching Andor. Yes, I'm halfway through. You're halfway through, which is funny because the previous previous episode, I was quite far behind, and you you were a few episodes ahead of me. I hadn't seen any of it, and you'd seen the first few episodes. But then I've now overtaken you and I'm kind of up to date. There's still two episodes to go in the se- season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had to go back and re-watch Rogue One. <laughs> I, I had to do it. I watched the I've first... seen Rogue One so many times, I know it by heart. I, I hadn't seen Rogue One in ages. I forgot just how good a film it really is. Like Of the Disney era, era Star Wars, it is probably it is a really the best film. one. I like, it. I like how it's gritty and there's like a grey morality to it. Yeah. Like, there's no Disney hero and no Disney princess or and no lovable uh, merchandise booming cute characters. It's all just like people. Yeah. But people caught in a conflict. I yeah, I watched the first episode and I was like, I enjoyed this, but I need to go back and rewatch Rogue One. So I literally re- <laughs> just just went back and rewatched Rogue One. Um so yeah, I'm up to episode ten and I think Alongside Mandalorian, it is the best, one of the best shows that Disney have put out. Because Obi-Wan was fine. We both know our strong opinions on Book of Boba Fett. Um, Even like compared to some of the Marvel shows, which I think I found a bit mixed recently. Yeah, this this is up there with the better, better ones. This is probably one of the best ones. Because... A few of the episodes were absolute have been absolutely incredible. Um, so yeah, it's kind of kind of hard to talk about because I'd be delving into spoilers. Which yeah, please give me spoilers. Yet. Don't give the listeners spoilers either. But there, I completely see what you said in the previous episode where yeah. you said episode two was kind of pointless. Yes, that episode you could have cut it in half, and you could have then taken that half, cut it in half again, stuck one part of it onto episode one and the other part onto episode three. Mm-hmm. It was kind of just building stuff up, but it took a little while and you could have condensed it down and yeah, just split it up. It it, it didn't need to be a whole episode. In no, but this, not at all. This is something interesting I heard on another podcast is that, so there's going to be 12 episodes in total. Yeah. And every three episodes... It's, it's a different story. It's, 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 the, it's, the, same, it's the same directors. So it's episode one to three, it's apparently the same director. Oh. Episode four to six, same director. They're also their so, own little self-contained story. So yeah, almost their own little self-contained story, which lead to one overarching story. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the way they would describe it on this podcast is like, you can kind of watch three episodes as if it's its own mini-movie. Which, um, yeah, why didn't, well, that's the case, why didn't they, they, why didn't they just do, instead of 12 episodes, why didn't they just do four feature-length episodes? I don't know. Well, that not have been the smarter uh, anyway yeah, biz- business standpoint because the the longer you stretch um, it out, the more people have to say sub- subscribe. Disney, pay more fucking money. Disney. Yes, this part <laughs> oh, ruined out Disney's sponsorship. <sighs> <laughs> but yeah, and or I think so. You're you're up to episode. Five. What are you making of it up to episode five so far? My overall impression is rather than dealing with typical Star Wars stuff, which is like, um, well, literally wars in space, like explosions, lightsaber duels, space magic, Darth Vader throwing people around, uh, shooting people, blowing people up, killing, basically. Rather than all of that, this is focusing on the human element. The characters are not space wizards. They're not generals or admirals of vast fleets. Then they're, they're not even farm boys who have been raised to the status of heroes. They're just ordinary people trying to live a life in this um, oppressive regime. Oppressive regime, yeah, absolutely. They're they're ordinary people. We've got people from all walks of life. You've got the senator. 
You've got um, some wealthy people. You've got some poor people. You've got some fucking shepherds living in a fucking peasant hut. You've got you've got rebels. You've got people who are loyal to the empire. Mm-hmm. It, te- it what I like is that it tells both sides of the story. Tells, yes, and exactly. No one's quite right or wrong because even you're seeing people who are who believe in the empire and thing, but you're you're kind of seeing stuff from their perspective and seeing why they think that. Mm-hmm. And then you're seeing people from the rebels' perspective and understanding what they do, what they why they do what they do. And it's it, it's, it humanizes the conflict. It's it's morally it make, it's grey. It shows yes. it's, it's not black and white. It's grey, and that's something I think they do perfectly with the character of Andor. Yes, it's, it's a, realizing they did something similar in the first few minutes when he's in Rogue One to the first few minutes, minor spoilers when he's in um, Episode One is that within those first few minutes he's killed people. And, I'm not, and I don't mean in self-defense or in a really cool way. He's killed them in cold blood. Yeah. Like, he's killed these people in cold blood. Yeah. To, he's like, murdered. To, to, he's actually he's murdered these to, people. To, he's not killed them. He's murdered them. Just to sort of self... For self-preservation. Yeah, for ruthlessness. Yeah. And that that's interesting because it, it, it's... Again, it's that kind of grey line. It's, it's, he's Again, he's a morally grey character. He is kind of in it for himself or to take care of himself at this point because it's kind of building to how he becomes part of the rebellion but at the moment he's quite a selfish character because he's focused on himself which is a cool contrast to Cyril Khan the inspector of in the corporate security force Mm. he um, I watched a really interesting video on him by a YouTube channel called the Templin Institute. And the video was um, the sacrifice of Cyril Khan on the altar of fascism, where they suggest um, Cyril Khan clearly has um, issues connecting with people socially. He can't make meaningful connections due to, I don't know, social anxiety or whatever happens to be his issue. So he throws himself into an organisation, devotes himself to the organisation, which is why in the earlier episodes... He is... So dedicated on... Exactly. Exactly. Doing his job. Exactly. Um, and this is how regimes like the Empire exist. People like Cyril Khan devote themselves to these regimes who don't deserve their devotion. And these regimes can very easily make them believe that what they're doing is right, mm. even though it's actually an atrocity. That, you know, they're mass- committing a massacre or whatever. They, you know, they're using these people to do this and that's very human this is not a oh we're Disney this guy's the bad guy he's evil that's why he's doing bad things no this is this is not a bad person yeah. he's not evil he's just been a bit brainwashed a bit misguided into, do, in, into doing this but he believes it's right yeah. he's not doing it to just for the just for malice yeah. malice he's actually not a whole well I don't like him but he's yeah. not a bad it's, person like you said it's very human like it, this is in one of the later episodes where it's showing you people or soldiers from the Empire's perspective but stuff they're doing is very human it's like some one of the, they're out on patrol and it's a couple of them taking in the view and it's like oh, they're, just, they're just enjoying the view and being people yeah and there, there's a um, and then there's another point where there's like a officer from in the Empire who is trying to save a kid. And he's, he's like risking his own life to save a kid. And yeah, it paints paints a lot of characters that's just human. I mean, they're, fortunately, they're on a different sides of a conflict. But instead of being black and white, it, it shows that even though they these people are on the supposed bad guy's side not all of them are inherently evil some of them are just doing their job or this is the best opportunity that life has given them yeah and unfortunately it just means they're serving an oppressive regime but they don't necessarily always have a they don't view it job. that way or no. they don't realise it realize or it. you know it's like um, like in Peepso where um, they go are we the bad guys are we the, <laughs> <laughs> are we the baddies well caps of no no but our caps have skulls on them it's not a very good guy yeah but I think you 
episode six, I think you will love, and episode ten, episode six and ten are definitely the best ones so far. Also, like how there's um sort of political, there's political thriller elements to it because there's yeah. the stuff going on in the Senate and stuff as well. It's not just, whatever Skull and Skarsgård's up to. Yeah, and there's like the the shady rebellion spies and everything like that as well. There's yeah, there's political intrigue, there's spies and rebellion and plots, and then there's um yeah, it's yeah, it's good. I think it is one of the best shows that they have done so far, and I'm looking forward to it. But it's it. subtle. It's not like it's not big okay, well all Star Wars is pretty much big budget. It is big budget, but it's much more subtle. If you're expecting something like Obi-Wan, uh, with epic lightsaber jewels and explosions all the time and a high really high body count actually this is not the show for you. Or if you're looking for... I mean, there is... I'm sure there, there is, elements. but there's many episodes where not a single saber is even shown. Yeah, it is. Uh, not saber, uh, the blaster is even drawn. Yeah. There's... It, it, it's much more subtle. It's mm. much more focused on the human element. Yeah. There's not going to be a massive rancor fight like at the end of... Oh, uh, spoilers, sorry. <laughs> no, you didn't need to finish that. We've got to go over it. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's good. I'm in. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I think. Let me know once you've watched episode six and episode ten if you get round to it because I think you'll really enjoy those. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. On that, rings of power. Rings of power. What did you think overall? Okay. So, are we talking about the finale or the oh, the, the series as a whole? Let's go f- series as a whole. So my oh thank you very much my view of overall of Rings of Power season one part one because that's what it should be called because nothing happens. I mean things happen. Yeah, but like let's be honest, the things we were wanting to see in episode one didn't really happen until episode whatever the last episode is. Eight. Yeah, eight. I think it just. I think you said yourself it's a slow burn. And I don't think the payoff was worth it. No, well, I I think I said this on the previous episode, and it's still how I feel. I neither absolutely love the show, nor can I say I hate it. I'm, it's, I'm enjoying it for the most part. It's fine. It's not, oh my God, this is the best show I've ever seen. Mm. I mean, I'm enjoying it enough that I would continue watching to a season two. Well, not everything it does is perfect or great or anything like that. It's fine. I I will probably continue to watch it, but I can't say, "Oh my god, you've really got to watch Rings of Power." Uh, it's amazing, but I can't say. I think uh, if you're an Lord of the Rings fan, you a big fan, you kind of have to watch it just to see what's to happening. See what it's like. And it's there are some really good bits to it. The costume design is amazing can I the interrupt music. slightly to, to talk about how they've gone back to practical effects for the orcs which, is which I prefer so, so much so, so much <clears throat> so much better it's yeah it's fantastic yeah the practical effects the costume design the sound design the mm. um, the set even the visuals the visuals mm. like, it, it's it's great you can tell it has a big budget the the bit where it's lacking is the kind is the story I think the biggest problem is if you want to watch Lord of the Rings what are you expecting what are the major things that you think of plot wise about Lord of the Rings I'm looking for two things here a, a, a journey a quest yeah a quest. absolutely yeah a quest yeah. and battles it, it, exactly those are the two things so like Lord of the Rings it spawned how many copycat fantasy books it, like, they called him the grandfather of fantasy for a reason they called Tolkien the grandfather of fantasy for a reason He's like D and D would not exist without Lord of the Rings. Like Will um, uh, of Time would not exist. Uh, so much fantasy wouldn't uh, fantasy stuff would not exist without Lord of the Rings. My beloved Elder Scrolls would not exist without Lord of the Rings. You know they they like are the epitome of the quest of the quest party. They 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 started all of it. Mm. If you're going to make a series, I know it's based on. Tolkien's work, it's not an adaptation, it's based on. But if you're going to pay homage to him, you need to have that. And there's no quest. And then the other, there's no quest at all. No one's on a quest in this, except maybe Gladriel to kill some orcs. Um, and the other thing, battles. Epic battles. Like, think of uh, the Seeds of Helm's Deep or the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Think about how epic those were. 
That's if anyone who's like any like millions and millions of people have watched Lord of the Rings just for that for that. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to adapt any sort of Middle Earth media, literally every Middle Earth media has a battle. Like for some reason, there's, there's no farms or proper roads anywhere in Middle Earth. They just have all cultures just have battles with each other all the time. Why aren't there any here? This we get we get what a couple of small skirmishes, if that. Mm. It's like a little fight between like five people. There's not even that. The cavalry charge of about fifty. Yeah, but that's that lasts like it's like, like two minutes. Yeah. If again, if that, and they're fighting a literal rabble of basically orcs covered in tarpaulin seats, sheets. Like it's it was not even a contest. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's quite um, yeah, it jumps jumps around a bit because it follows quite a few different characters. It jumps around a bit, but like you said, none of them sort of. A few of them have kind of goals or intentions, but it, it's problem with it being a, I think it being a TV series rather than film, is that it's going to be stretched out because in the films you don't need to though. Amazon probably Amazon has enough money that it doesn't need to do that. Yeah. People will buy Amazon Prime just for the delivery service. You know, this is free. No one's going to buy Amazon Prime. Oh, I have to watch all Rings of Power. No, that, that, this is the, the whole Amazon Prime video is an extra added on to that. They they don't need to draw it out. A good friend of mine made a, a really good point about the series actually. So, Rings of Power is an adaptation of Tolkien's work about you know how the rings came to be and all that jazz. And obviously, um, you remember the start of the Fellowship, where they say nine rings for the nine mortal kings, mortal men doomed to die. <laughs> Uh, seven for the dwarf lords and three for the elves yeah how many dwarf lords have you met two. one one because no, the other one was his son no one but I guess he'd still be a lord but, yeah but he can't you can't you can't have one ring for one dwarf lord yeah. and one ring for the other dwarf, for his son there's seven dwarf lords who get rings and we've met one how many of the um, mortal king the human kings have you met no exactly we're a whole season in the, you know a whole, a whole season in and the, the basic law that they're adapting hasn't been established yet. We haven't seen any, we've only seen one human kingdom. The pacing felt a bit weird at times. It did. Like it'd be slow burn, slow burn, slow burn. Oh my God, they crossed a continent and that happened yeah. a, a small a skirmish. This episode, we're constantly hopping between characters and then the next episode. They're all oh, together all of a sudden. We're, or we're only focusing on one character. Yeah. And it was, um, yeah. I, don't, I, don't I think f- they could have condensed all of that down into maybe half a season and had some proper battles. I know you're going to say I don't have much patience, but... Yeah. Or just some more battles. I think you didn't need the Hobbit, the Hobbit analogue people. And I don't think you really needed that. I guess it makes... Because they're, they're not... I think they're kind of creating their own story as well. They're not fully... They're taking stuff from the Tolkien lore. They're kind of adapting it with their own twist. Yeah. Um, so they're putting their own spin on it. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm interested to carry on, is to see... Because I, I, I enjoy Lord of the Rings. I read the books. I love the films. Um, but I never read sort of like a lot of the extra source material. And so it's kind of interesting for me to come in and see these bits that they're doing. But I'm also intrigued to see how they put their own spin on it. But... Uh, yeah, I agree. There are some pacing issues, and there are some bits which there's one particular bit where I was like, "That is bullshit," <laughs> which was um, spoiler alert. Spoilers. There's spoilers from now. We can discuss spoilers, spoilers, spoilers from, from now. now. So basically, basically the first season establishes Numenor, um, how Mount Doom was formed. Yeah, and. It really annoyed me when it when when just after the whole Mount Doom eruption thing, and it and it said Southlands, Southlands crossed now, and then it says Mordor. I was like, no shit! Anyone who's watched the other film is going to know that this is already Mordor. But it was it was the bit where there's a volcanic eruption, and yet everyone's a, fine, and yet everyone's pretty much fine. Galadriel stands in front of a pyroclastic flow. Which, as a former geography student, <laughs> oh, is fucking burning hot, and she just stands there and seems to be perfectly fine. Whereas most people, that would have burnt you to death. Think about Pompeii. Yeah. The same thing happened to Pompeii, and you had those like, like you know, 
ass mummified bodies. Mm. Exactly. If the, if this there's not even any explanation that she used magic or anything to protect herself and other people. No, she just kind of stands there, just like oh. Oh, well, would you look at that? I'm, I'm all dirty, oh no. I'm covered in ash and I'm a bit dishevelled, but I'm fine. Oh, so are you, and so are you, and let's walk out but of it. Only one character dies, that, that we've seen before, yeah, dies. a very minor, very minor character's name I couldn't even remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the thing, it's um, so many characters, I forget their names <laughs> in this. Well, I mean, they are all quite similar, but also, like, they're just not very memorable. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of an odd one. Because I don't know how to feel on it. I don't, like I said, I don't really love it, but I can't say I hate it either. I'm kind of, I will watch more and I'll see where it goes. But if someone said, oh, if I got to watch this, I'd be like, eh, it's, yeah, watch it. It's all right. Make your own opinion. But yeah, my opinion is it's fine. I'll probably keep watching it, but I can't, I can't see its praises because I don't know. I'll wait and see what season two does. Maybe, maybe season two might improve i don't know maybe i hope yeah. so have you you got any more to say on it i was just it's the most expensive tv show ever made mm. and it didn't spend that much on the cast because i'm sure they got paid well but there, there's very few recognizable people in there yeah there's lenny henry i've seen obviously seen him and other things mm. but literally everyone else i don't think i've seen but i think i i that is actually one aspect i quite enjoy I, no, I don't don't worry i i i appreciate them giving new talent the opportunity to show themselves i'm not wrong with that i'm just saying they haven't spent much money on that i've sort of spent lots of money on the scenery but these days mm. you can you don't need to go all the way to new zealand you could probably use some computer technology to do that which is, I think, is what they did. What they did. That's not as expensive as but going it, all the way to New Zealand. That's the thing. That's where you could tell they'd spent money on it because it still they looked had, amazing. Yes, but they would have still had loads left over. Mm. And then they had some effects in, some really good looking effects in some episodes. Yeah. But only for a few minutes and only like every other episode. Where's the money gone? There were no battles. The effects on the orcs are practical, so they probably weren't as expensive. don't know. Probably still reasonably pricey I don't know I know some girls who are really good at makeup they could probably make you look like an orc <laughs> thanks <laughs> I, I will say one bit one bit I did really I really enjoyed um, Durin he was my favourite character oh yeah I liked Hobbit. him he was really good I can't remember who played him but he was probably one of the best characters and all of his scenes were great yeah so every time he was on screen I'd... there was just so much talking everyone just sat around and talked to each other Oh, that's one thing I do want to mention. Young Elrond and young Galadriel mm. are nothing like how they are in Lord of the Rings trilogy, books or films. If you think about it, Galadriel is this rough and ready warrior who's more comfortable in mail than in dresses. She's constantly got a sword or a knife around. She speaks very bluntly. Uh, she just marches straight like forward head first into whatever the problem is to the point where other characters will say slow down think this problem through mm-hmm. Galadriel admittedly it's I don't know several hundred years later but her character a few thousand a few, thou- few thousand sorry but her character has completely changed yeah she's now very much this dainty ethereal beauty in the in these long robes who in the this is the not now, this is the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings I'm talking about, yes. Yeah. Very calm, very wise, very collected. Complete difference. Yeah, I, I get that he's probably gone through a lot of character development, but whereas, to like, complete this, personality like, change... Elrond is like more of a politician. Whereas he's, in, he's almost, I don't, I don't want to say slimy or smarmy, but I get a, a distinct... I wouldn't like him. If he was a real person, I met him, I, I wouldn't like him. Yeah. Like, he's he, very smooth, almost too smooth, buttery. Syrupy. So yeah, in the, in Rings of Power, he's more of a politician, whereas you'd see yeah. him from from the granted in like the Lord of the Rings, he is still kind of like a political figure because he can bring the races together. But the way but he's um, also a warrior, which they what, what's pre- his name again? The actor. I, I can't remember. Australian guy also plays Agent Smith. Oh, Hugo Weaving. The way Hugo Weaving plays him is completely different to the way. He's played, young Elvon is played by the actor whose name I've forgotten. Yeah. Granted, I can understand it because, like you said, it's literally thou- thousand if. But it doesn't years. mean that they forget skills. If I've been. Obviously, Elvon's quite old 
by human standards by this point anyway. Young for enough, but old by human standards. He's learned skills about how to win people over with his diplomacy and almost seductive good nature. Why would that suddenly just disappear and he just becomes... Hugo Reaving's a lot more blunt. Hugo Reaving will say, yes, you lot will go to Mordor or we'll all die. You know, like, he, you see him like get angry over something as simple as hobbits eavesdropping on his meeting. Mm. You know, young everyone wouldn't do it. It's like, rather than use his diplomacy skills to make sure the hobbits you know, stay out of danger. But again, it is with that time. Granted, it, they're, they're different projects at the end of the day, so I can understand yes. why they would be different. At the same time, you're not the same person you were 10 years ago. You've changed. I know, I, I've changed. But the skills I learnt 10 years ago... I will still use if I can remember them. Yeah, that's the thing, but it's, it's still, there is also skill decay. Mm. And if you're a thousand years old, there might be something you learned a thousand years ago that you necessarily haven't practiced recently. But anyway. You know, you know what I mean, though? I do know what you mean. Yeah, they are. They're, they're unrecognizable. They're, yeah, they are quite different characters. Um, yeah, they are. They are different characters. If you didn't know anything way. about Rings of Power and I showed it to you, and as soon as you find out that guy's Elrond, you're like, wait, he's Elrond? Or she's Galadriel? Or she's Galadriel. Yeah, because they are very different. Just completely different in terms of philosophy, character. I get people change, but... Yeah, this is quite different. I don't think they change that much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, again, it's possibly partly that it's the show and the different idea of how they wanted to do the characters. Or maybe over the course of the next few seasons, they transform into how they are in the show. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. So we'll, we'll have to have to wait and see in its way. But uh, there wasn't. My other problem was there's there was no epic, awesome finale that we can gush over right now and go. Oh my god! Did you see that bit? Did you see that bit? It was just sort of like, oh, here's the reveal. Mm. Yeah, that's it basically. Here's a reveal. Here's a couple of plot twists. Here's the setup for the next season. Yeah, it kind of felt like it was just building towards here's season two. <laughs> But, I was just I was a bit like come on I wouldn't be surprised if they say yeah this was the biggest budget TV show ever made across all five seasons or whatever I, mean, they're going to I think that that could quite possibly because I think there's at least two or three seasons already planned so I was, so I think my I maybe had a misconception that it was the biggest budget TV show ever made for a season mm-hmm. but it's actually across the whole thing yeah. which means we could have some really amazing se- whole seasons to come yeah because I think they've greened it at least the next two seasons if not more I, yeah but uh, I think ultimately my summary is it's exactly what I've, it's, I've repeated numerous times is slow burn that hasn't paid off yet <laughs> that's your opinion yep. yeah I can, which I kind of can agree but it it's building towards stuff because we know there's going to be more seasons so I will give it the benefit of the doubt and keep watching but yeah mm-hmm. I, I can't say I love it but I can't say I hate it I'm enjoying it enough to keep watching but is it one of the best TV shows I've ever watched? No. Not by long shot. No. Okay interesting question though the two TV shows we've been discussing today Andor and Rings of Power which do you prefer? Andor. Andor no, no hesitation there. No hesitation because that Although it has had its slower moments, its slow burn moments. It there. still had payoffs. There'll be an episode or two that's slow, and then you get a call episode. And then you got to wait two episodes, and then you get an episode. So I actually think it was better. So I, when I started watching Andor, I, it was coming out on a weekly basis. Mm. So I'd watch an episode, and it was a slow one. I'd be like, well, fuck, I've got to wait a whole other week before stuff actually happens. Whereas I think you've been watching them back to back. Because I waited a while. Yeah. So I think you benefited more because you could just either skip some of the slow ones or just persevere yeah. and have a payoff straight away. Which is probably why you feel way more positive towards Andor mm. than I am. Rings of Power, did you watch weekly or did you watch after a while? That one I was watching weekly. Oh, okay. That's fair. But even... And that's why you agree with me a lot more that that one is quite slow and doesn't pay off yeah but even so I think even if I had watched that one back to back there's no payoff still it's still not quite enough payoff whereas with Andor I found it has enough to keep my interest through Mm -hmm. the slower episodes and then when it gets to the really action packed ones they make it worth it yeah but it's just because it just feels so much better written in its way and it's just 
yeah, so much better and more enjo- enjoyable because you're like, oh, this is really cool. Oh, what's going to happen? That's so cool. Oh, awesome. And then, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Andor is the better of the two, in my opinion. House of Dragon, I'm still only halfway through. I haven't um, What's that, it. House of Dragon? No, so I can't really comment any more on that than I did in the previous episode. I'm really far behind it, but it's because I'm watching it with other people. So, God of War came out. I am obsessed. <laughs> I knew you would be, Henry. Uh, I've had it for three days, and I'm already like 15 hours in, and I won't go super into spoilers, but... Uh, well, actually, I won't go into spoilers at all, hmm. but it's, it is amazing how they took what was so epic and great from the first game. Like, literally, the intro to the first game is so memorable and so epic. I was like, how on earth are they going to top that in this episode? And you're like, oh, in this, um, in the this next game. You had enough whiskey already by the looks of things. Yeah, literally, two hours, I was literally an hour or two in, and I'm just like, well, they did it. They did it. <laughs> they made it even better. <laughs> and that is that is a feat in itself. And yeah, I'm 15 hours in. I'm loving the story. There have yep. been moments there. I've just been like, I have to pause the game. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that is awesome. And yeah, it, it's... Stunning. You're like a little fanboy moment. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Yes! Yes! <laughs> it's just... Oh, it's so good. It is really enjoyable um it's stunning great acting great visuals great gameplay just amazing story yeah you need to play the first one yeah <laughs> you need to catch up i need to catch up but uh don't think i have much more to say i think uh i've kind of covered everything i've been doing i've been reading a long book and i've been playing a lot of god of war and i've been watching andor and um rings of power that's pretty much been me for the past month yep what about you Any anything else or we all no I had a few weeks where I thought fuck it I'll try this mobile gaming thing and I downloaded Pokemon Go again it's still going apparently um, and the Animal Crossing uh, mobile app game because as you know I love Animal Crossing New Horizons mm-hmm. um, and that's a few weeks gone <laughs> basically fair enough um, they are just as addicting as people say okay do we need to do we need to stage an intervention can we is it too oh, late oh I've stopped now it's stopped now you pulled yourself out I pulled myself okay. out I was like okay when I found myself <laughs> wandering around town at midnight trying to find this bloody pincer that was around the back of King's Head pub I thought, okay, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> this has got some bad. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, what am I doing? I'm just what, going, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. I need to go home. I'm going to bed. I've got work in the morning. Well, I think that's been a little, nice little catch up. And a little bit, nice little shorter episode than last time, which I think is quite nice. It's better because last episode was what? Maybe one yeah. hour 40? Yeah, after editing. It was almost, I think it was almost two hours before I edited it down. Oh God. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Nice little catch up. Absolutely. Um, yeah, next episode you'll we'll both probably have finished Andor by then. Yes. And uh, we can give a full summary on it. And I'll have some more weird and wacky books to, to discuss. I'm sure. And uh, yeah, I think uh, seeing as you enjoyed a nice uh, non-fiction book on whiskey, I have to try and get you to. I think I enjoyed it most, heavy because it's only a hundred pages. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and find some short. Or I'll try and find some historical books for you because you like you enjoy history. I, I I like a good historical drama. In fact, I've recommended to you, you some historical dramas before. Yes. So maybe if I find you a, didn't like I Claudius by Robert Graves, I've got one you might like a lot more. Yeah. Yes. I've got loads of people who love his books. It's called Connie Gordon. Yes, I've, I've read. I've read. You've read of one of his books yeah. already. Really enjoyed. He it. does. A, he does a book on the life of Julius Caesar. Mm. which I think you'd really like because it's it's not written like an autobiography mm. it's written like, as a narrative nice. it's, it takes a few liberties with the actual history mm. but it's really really cool mm. I've got a um, historical book which is it's based on fact but it and it, it it reads like a historical book but it also reads like a spy novel at the same time because it's Ooh. about spies Agent Zigzag. Yep. Which, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that which one. Which I really think you should read because it's literally the... Someone else has recommended to me, actually. Who wrote it again? Uh, ben McIntyre. Oh, that's right. Who is... Amazing. The um, 
Have you seen the adverts for that SAS Rogue Heroes show? Yes, I, I, I saw it. And I was like, Finally. "Enemy is going to be all over this." Yeah, uh, Have you been watched it yet? I've only seen the first episode, but it's got uh, it's one of the writers on it. Is it's one from Beaky Blinders. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is based off of Ben McIntyre's book of the same name. Oh, um, SAS Who Dares Wins. SAS Rogue Heroes. Oh, Rogue Heroes. Yeah, um, and again, that's, yeah, he's he's just a really good historical writer. But yeah, Agent Zigzag, I think you should read because although it is history, the content is like reading a spy novel. Mm. It's it's amazing. Like I, you're reading it and like, I can't believe this is historically accurate because <laughs> some of the crazy stuff is like, this is like a spy novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Nice little episode. Some so f- final reviews on the whiskey. It's good. I really like this. Mm. They've taken an existing really nice bourbon and just rather than make it more alcoholic or change too much, they just added extra flavour. Yeah, I think that uh, second maturation definitely adds, it's a, really adds improved. a layer of richness to it. It does, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Levels it up. I think this is it like evolved Woodford. Levels, level, leveled leveled up. it up. It's, it's, lev- it's levelled up Woodford Reserve. Absolutely. You know in a video game where you get like a weapon, if you get the same weapon again, you can like combine it. It's like that weapon plus one. Yeah. You know, like like an improved version. That's what they've had. That's what they've done here. Yeah. Well, cheers, Tom. Cheers, Henry. Thanks for a good episode. Thank you for having me.